well, 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 welcome to the Purple Stuff Podcast. Starring Jay from the Sexy Armpit and Matt from Dinosaur Dracula. So WrestleMania is coming up very soon, and you and I on the Purple Stuff podcast tonight wanted to discuss what we're looking forward to, and also we've got something special cooked up tonight. Oh yeah, we'll save that until we get through this WrestleMania part. Yes, yes. So what are you most looking forward to out of uh, all the matches announced? Uh, I guess, honestly, it's probably Shane and AJ. Really? Yeah, I know a lot of people are against it, and I'll agree that it's not what I would want for AJ. But at the same time, it's a marquee match. Kind of shows that he's in an important position right now. And, you know, I don't know if you read the rumors, but they tried to put him with Shawn Michaels. And yeah, but Shawn I mean, that was, Shawn's been pretty, like, adamant that, no, no fucking way. I'm really done, guys. That's yeah, it. he's done. He's not going to do it. He'll referee those matches and throw a kick, but that's all <laughs> you're going to get from him. Yeah. For me, we were recently talking about WrestleMania, and I thought for sure you knew... Which one I was just looking for. Let me see. To. I mean, I would just I would just imagine it has something to do with the ladies. You're right. You're right. You're um, so smart. It's probably, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to guess it's the SmackDown match because I know you're on this Alexa Bliss kick. You're exactly right. Alexa Bliss versus the entire SmackDown roster. How much better can that be? It can't get any better. Well, the one good thing is that I would imagine if it's just a big schmoz of a match that she'll probably keep the title and I want her to. Right. Now, for those listening, if they don't know what a schmoz is, it's, it's when, like, it just becomes a big melee. Oh, please. If someone doesn't know what a schmoz is, they didn't make it this far into the podcast. They're gone already, Jay. <laughs> okay, these two are talking <laughs> gibberish about pro wrestling. I'll see them in two weeks. Uh, yeah, you're right. So that's your number one match, huh? The SmackDown schmoz. Really, the reason for me watching any WWE event I just want to watch Renee Young do her amazing broadcasting. She's really good, and I hope they enjoy her while they have her, because she's obviously going to get picked up by somebody more important eventually. Do you remember, like, when you were a kid and you had a crush on, like, your babysitter yeah. or something? Like, that's the kind of crush I have on Renee Young. I'm sure everybody feels that way, because she's <laughs> she's almost like the, the Marilyn Munster of wrestling. Oh, that's perfect! Holy shit! Yeah, like, she's like... <laughs> Why is this beautiful, oh smart, normal woman in the <laughs> middle of so, this madness? That's poetry. Man. Yeah. That was so good. I am the genius. Lanny Topo. <laughs> the world's smartest man. So tonight on the Purple Stuff Podcast, episode 40, what do we got for him, Matt? Tonight on the Purple Stuff Podcast, we are going to tell you about 12 of our favorite wrestling theme songs. I can't wait to get into this. Wrestling theme songs are monumental. They're so important to the characters, you know, because without 
the songs. Right, right. I mean, how bad do you feel for those schmoes that have to, like, you know, you watch these old wrestling pay-per-views and there's no music <laughs> under the guy? Yeah. And he's, like, coming out and he's trying to make his own audio by kind of gnarling at the crowd. I'll kick your teeth! <laughs> ah, although I'm something the man! Had... Something had to be said for when you had a heel back in like the early 80s who didn't have any theme music, but like they'd have four security guards around him walking him down. Like I remember when Randy Savage would walk down the aisle before he had the pomp and circumstance and there was like people trying to grab at him and everything. It was crazy, you know, it's all that those sequins on him. <laughs> automatically want to grab at them. Man, the Randy without se- pomp and circumstance. I can't even picture it. Yeah, it was before he even had that. Wow. Entrance themes have always been one of my favorite aspects because like, I'm always acting things out, especially when I was a kid. I always wanted to act things out. So seeing the wrestlers come out and sort of like do things in tandem with their theme song. Oh, yeah. The Ultimate Warrior would jet out of the arena like a ballistic missile. You heard his music and you wanted to do the same thing and just gorilla pressure pillows. You right. Know? It wasn't really just music. It was almost like music and dance. Because they yeah. all had their own little thing that they did to their music, even if it was right. subtle. Yeah. And now, forget it. It's so choreographed now that they come out and do like a fucking... It's like they're like cheerleaders, every single one of them. The entrances have gotten way more intricate. Yeah. I mean, arguably, they've never been better. Yeah, agreed. Even though tonight, we really want to focus on some of the uh, older ones that have gone maybe a little bit overlooked. Yeah. Some of the underrated kind of uh, misfits you know, ones that don't necessarily get brought up in conversations, or if you're reading like a website that says, oh, the top 50 best wrestling theme songs, like these may not be on it. <laughs> right. Cause it's like, what? I mean, we got Austin's theme, we got Demolition's theme. What are we going to say? Oh, what a great song. It really suited the wrestler. Yeah. You would say so good. I would say so good. And then we'd be like, all right, guys, we'll see you next time. Yeah. <laughs> so tonight we're going to focus more on the ones that need a little lifting because they are really good themes, but. Maybe not so many people are always talking about them. Yeah. So, you go first. (laughs) Yeah, I do. I do go first. Okay. Hi, this is Jay's dad introducing the Purple Stuff Podcast special, WrestleMania show starring my son, Jay from the Sexy Armpit, and his friend Matt from Dinosaur Dracula. Number one. Trust me, trust me, trust me, trust me, trust me, trust me, So even the most casual fan has to remember Jake the Snake Roberts. Of course. Yeah, but I think a lot of people may have forgotten his amazing work as a bad guy in the early 90s. Yeah, I mean, it was interesting because he went from bad guy to good guy to bad guy. Yeah, yeah, he started as bad guy, but I mean, his period as a good guy was what he was most famous for. Right. But then he had that awesome heel turn where he wasn't just like, 
a bad guy. He was like the worst fucking dude ever. Yeah. You're making snakes eat Macho Man, like yes. tricking the Ultimate Warrior into a coffin and things like like just like the worst guy. The absolute worst. Yeah. So at that point, they changed his original theme music to this one, which is so awesome. Yeah. Basically, they took the original theme, they deconstructed it into this synthy nightmare fuel. Yeah. And you had told me that someone compared it to a John Carpenter score. As if his original theme song didn't sound Carpenter-esque as it was. Right, right. It totally did. Yeah. But it, it fit his character as a heel. It's mesmerizing, but it's just so evil. It is. Kind of like give you that Unsolved Mysteries theme feeling. Yeah, was that mixed with, like, 80s horror movie, like 80s VHS tapes? Oh, totally. Like, it would have played over the opening credits to some, like, you know, third sequel in a terrible franchise. And plus, he was mixed up in these storylines with, like, the snake biting Yeah, Macho didn't he, uh, he change from his pythons or whatever the fuck he had to the cobra, right? Yeah. Oh, man, it was such a cool little trick that they did. He got it too close to it. Look, keep it away from it. That snake is cut. Wait a minute, the snake is running. Oh, the snake is biting it. The snake is biting it. I'm out of here. Roddy Piper on his way. To get some help, the snake is gnawing on the arm. A brandy savage who's helpless tied in the rope. All I can say is that snake better be defenomized. It better be. Yeah, so he made Macho Man's return work, and then he is the reason that The Undertaker became a good guy. He is, you're so, right. So, like, he was pretty important there for a minute. And he this was really all, like, in the span of a couple of months. He was one of the biggest WWF superstars ever. He was huge. He was one of those guys that all of your friends just loved. There wasn't a person in the room who wasn't like, yeah, Jake the Snake. Yeah. All you need to say was Jake the Snake. Everyone knew. It was this badass guy who gave amazing promos, and he carried a snake with him to the a ring. A giant snake. I was yeah. like, I can't believe... <laughs> there weren't more incidents. I mean, there I were know. a couple. There were a few things that happened that, that shouldn't have happened. Yeah. But how, I mean, can you imagine in 2017, like these activist groups would be all the fuck over them? Just the idea that you would have a guy go out and wrestle his opponent. Meanwhile, the snake is there and he's basically going to sick this killer snake. I mean, I don't care what they're pumping it up with. It's still, a, it's like the fucking snake from Anaconda. <laughs> By the way, <laughs> by the way, my least favorite WrestleMania moment of all of them. Know. You know, know where I'm going. Yeah, yeah. Of Do I even have to say it? George Wells. George Wells throwing <laughs> up in response to being uh, snaked. Are, it would, he wasn't. He was more like foaming at the mouth. Let's but not why? exaggerate. Why was he foaming at the mouth? Like what? The snake wasn't like constricting him. It was just on top of him. Because that was the days of kayfabe, and at least he put his best foot forward and said, "You know what? I'm going to put Jake the Snake over like a mofo." If someone wanted to put me over that way, I think I'd say no, thank you. Literally, the only thing anyone remembers about George Wells is that he threw up in the ring at WrestleMania two. All right, well, it's semantics. You know, he threw up, he it's foamed semantic. at the mouth. <laughs> it's <laughs> The snake literally slithering right over to George Wells' head. Look at that. George. Oh, he's not going to put it on him. No. Oh, he wrapped it underneath him and back around. Look at that. That's a python. He has it wrapped all over George Wells. Number two. 
between you and I, this first one is not an actual wrestler's theme song. But oh, here we go. You're breaking the rules already. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I'm a rule breaker. Oh, you're a heel. <laughs> that amazing, epic piece of music that you just heard was the Coliseum video theme song, which is the greatest theme of any theme ever to exist on planet Earth. <laughs> yeah, some of my earliest best memories from wrestling are with these old school VHS tapes that were from Coliseum Home Video that I used to rent a hundred times. Mm-hmm. And it opened with this insane montage. You didn't even get to the matches yet. Oh, yeah, and it was just two you minutes. This, you have this intro that was like enthralling. This video package was like something out of a commercial for the Time Life book series mixed yeah. with yeah mixed with amazing stories mixed with the poor quality video that the teacher would show you in school about ancient Rome <laughs> and then speckled with some of the hardest hitting wrestling moves you would see these big giant wrestlers and then you would hear the music go dun, dun, dun. Yeah, they made it look so much more like a legit sport. And also, they were using a lot of older footage when wrestling seemed more real. They show Superfly diving off the top of the steel cage and all these amazing things. And we're desensitized to that stuff now because back then, in the early, early 80s, it wasn't like we saw that stuff every week, twice a week or multiple right, times. Right. These big pop moments only happen once in a blue moon, and they caught them all on VHS for us to bring home. You yeah. Know? I mean, I'm sure I wasn't the only kid who did my own little interpretive dance while that song was playing. Like you're shadow boxing invisible wrestlers and you're yeah. elbow dropping pillows. Yeah, you're right. When like yeah, when Hogan's pinning Sheik and it's like in slow motion yeah. and you just oh, it's just so dramatic and like insane. I love it. It was almost like a show into itself because I couldn't wait to put that thing on just to watch that part. They would see show like ancient Roman wrestlers and the Colosseum. Yeah, and the truth is that Colosseum home video series, a lot of those tapes were I don't want to call them duds, but they weren't very exciting. Right. But that fucking intro made every <laughs> tape worth renting. Yes. So you're, it, like, you're like, worst case scenario, I'll, I get to see the Coliseum home video intro again. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, for years and years, all I had was a version of it on cassette that I just recorded with my boombox from the TV. And then I think five or six years ago, maybe more, I, I found on the internet, somebody had a really clean copy of the actual intro. And that's the one that I always blast in the car on our long adventures. <laughs> yeah. This but is a favorite of yours. It's like the pinnacle wrestling music to me. Yeah, I'm down with that. I, I say that that song is worth you breaking the entrance theme rule. I did break the rule. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I'm like a DX honorary member. Yeah, that's right. You make the rules, yeah, I break you, them. You, yeah, you got to take it down from the inside. <laughs> hey, this is Luscious Johnny B. Asking you, pleading with you, telling you, whoa, stop the music, man. Don't you dare touch another button on that VCR of yours until you appreciate the simple fact of what's coming up next on Coliseum Video. American Dream Number Three He's just a common man Working hard with his hands He's just a common man 
that was Common Man Boogie, the theme song for Dusty Rhodes. Wow, I'm surprised that uh, that came up so early in the show. Well, you know, you gotta you gotta hit him fast, hit him early, and hit him hard. So the deal is that Dusty Rhodes, the late great Dusty Rhodes, he was a big fish in the uh, NWA slash WCW. And when he came to the WWF, the perception with some people was that Vince was trying to like screw with him a little bit, but giving him this kind of like on paper shitty gimmick where he had to dress in polka dots and shake his ass. <laughs> I mean, it sounded like a disaster, but God bless Dusty. He totally made that work. He did. Uh, I mean, I was a hardcore wrestling fan at the time, like hardcore. And I remember being totally into him. When he became the polka dot uh, yeah, Dusty Rhodes. Yeah, the American yeah. Dream, Dusty Rhodes. He was just so like infectiously fun-loving. He was. He was almost like the white Southern version of Muhammad Ali. You know, I think he would have appreciated that comparison. Well, no, I mean, I, there is something to that. I'm no, not just I trying total, to... No, yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm totally yeah. with you. I think, yeah. I think that's the same level of showmanship and just having that almost like sixth sense that told them how to connect with the crowd. Yeah. But all that said, like, I don't think that he could have made that gimmick work without this song. I mean, that song made everyone get up and dance. Uh, it's impossible to hear that song and not be in a good mood. They should play it at funerals. It's insane. It is a fun song, I have to admit. Yeah, and it's like, it's one of the reasons why I've never personally bought into that whole Vince was trying to rib Dusty with this gimmick theory. Yeah. Because giving any wrestler a common man boogie was as good as making him world champ. <laughs> And then Sweet Sapphire. <laughs> I love Sweet Sapphire. Of and I'll course. never forgive that dastardly million dollar man <laughs> for buying her loyalty. I could totally see you getting down with this song with your buddy Sherman Hurst Helmsley. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. We totally danced <laughs> along. I played Sapphire, of course. <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, like, this is so you this song yeah i mean like, if you're ever ever gonna get me to do a karaoke bar <laughs> common man boogie is the way people may not realize like i've said this a couple times on on the purple stuff so far where we might say things that people probably think we're like totally just trying to be funny but like you love stuff like this yeah i mean the, it's like I've, like i've told you before it's when i sound like i'm lying that's when i'm telling the truth and i gotta tell you I love Common Man Boogie. <laughs> He's just a common man working hard with his hands. <laughs> it's amazing that, you know, you had like his sons didn't follow in the same type of footsteps. Because, like, I loved Goldust, but could you imagine if Goldust had a song that wasn't like haunting and it was more like pop? oriented like or like soulful you know yeah i have to say common man boogie wouldn't have worked for a uh transvestite <laughs> gold man i must ensure the legend i must live up to the name number four
That was the theme song for Bull Nakano. Yes! Now, originally, it was used for the Orient Express theme song. Because yes! you know there's listeners out there like, no, man, he doesn't know what he's talking about. That was the Orient Express. Yes, it was. But when Bull Nakano came to the WWE, she was actually in WWE early on in the 80s. Then she went back to Japan, and then she came back later in the early 90s. Yep. And she was so fucking cool. Like, this is at a time when they weren't doing much with that women's division. It was really just kind of, like, very plain. The weird thing about the women's division back then is that it existed, but it didn't exist on TV for years and years and years. But then it basically went defunct. And then Alundra Blaze came back and won it. And she feuded with Bull Nakano, who was this giant Japanese female wrestler. She had the hair of Johnny Bravo and the scariness of Sensational Sherry and the intimidation factor of King Kong Bundy. Yeah, it was. T- that's perfect. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what she was. And But my point, though, is that like she came in at a time where they were just kind of like, hey, here's some women wrestling. And no matter how good the work the women did was, they weren't doing much to sell it. But mm-hmm. Bull was such a force yeah, that it didn't matter. Everyone knew she was fucking awesome because she just so obviously was. She actually was uh, a wrestler when she was 15. She started very early on. And then by the time she got to WWE, she was in this big feud with Alundra Blaze, who used to be known as Medusa Maselli. All right, all right. Uh, and then eventually she was fired for possession of cocaine in WWE. So it, Bull it was... was? A, Yeah, you think it's like a grim ending, but it's not. Because, wait for it, she became a professional golfer. Did she really bull (laughs) Nakano on the golf course? Yes. Did she wear the full ring garb? Well, this is my question. How the hell is there no bull Nakano action figure, number one? Number two, how is there no bull Nakano in wrestling gear while golfing action figure? Or at least a photo. Just give me something to put on my phone. Or about my on, I'm, I'm looking the I'm looking this up. She, I swear, Nakano. They're not just photoshopped pictures. Golfing. Wow, she looks way different when she's not covered in face paint and hairspray. Yeah, and apparently, like she lost like a ton of weight. She looks great. That's crazy. Yeah, Bull Nakano golf. Uh, let's see. Elite action figure. Elite <laughs> WWE. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> Good luck with that one. But to, to your point, this theme is fucking oh my God. great. Like, so, to yeah, me, the, it sounded like a New Order B-side mixed with like a commercial for cold medicine. <laughs> it worked better, I think, for her than it did or- the Orient Express. Well, because it was like the Orient Express, it just kind of felt like a cliche tack on song. But with her, it almost like makes her feel even more like a evil space alien who's come to kill us all. <laughs> Yes, you're right. She almost looked like at the end of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like she would be like behind Riff Raff or something. Right, when they have the laser guns. Yeah. So Bull Nakano, great theme song, great track, awesome personality, great look, awesome in the ring. But here's my pitch. You know how WrestleMania has the Andre the Giant Battle Royal? Uh, I do know that, yes. For SummerSlam... They should have a women's only battle royal called the Bull Nakano Battle Royal, and the winner becomes the number one contender and faces the women's champion the next night on Raw. Oh, I love it. And there's also those slight alliteration points. That's why I said it. Okay. You are the best there is. The 
Women's World Wrestling Federation Champion, the best in the universe. You are Bulletano. Number five. So do you remember how on one of our recent shows we talked about how awesome the demolition theme was? Of course. I yeah. love the demolition theme. Yeah, come the yak. That one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Derringer. Yeah, Derringer. <laughs> of course, Derringer. <laughs> well, just a short time after Demolition finally disbanded, Smash was repackaged as the Repo Man. Repo Man. Yeah, like he was like Swiper. It was so stupid and so great. Hmm. I, I don't know. Maybe you didn't have as strong a feeling for Repo Man I, as I did. I, I just got to say, Repo Man was like an example of how WWE, when they were, I guess, in like the early 90s and, and all throughout the 90s up until Attitude Era started, mm -hmm. they were always kind of like a few steps behind, a couple years behind. Repo Man was a movie in 1984. <laughs> yeah. Okay, but all right. Yes, it was, but let's not... <laughs> Let's not even try to say that this was supposed to be like aping that movie because no, it, it wasn't. But like the idea of just saying Repo Man, like it was like okay, so he repossesses cars that people couldn't pay for anymore, and he's a wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> so gone was well, the face painting. Not just no, wait, not just a wrestler, formerly a demolition wrestler right i mean so that's what i'm saying gone yeah. was the face paint gone was the idea that this man could kill you and instead poor Darry barso barry darso barry barso instead poor barry instead poor barry darso had to come out with like this cheap trench coat and a zorro mask and tights that were patterned after like tire tracks and he no, carried a he rope. He was run over by a car. He was oh, of course, because he's repossessing the car. And okay, he, he tried to repossess it, and he got so he was like a failed repo man. Yeah, and he, because he, as he was trying to repossess it, he got ran over. Okay, so yeah, he, he this is like not his first choice for a career wrestling. He, he failed mean, at his first choice, and now he's here. I mean, I'm reaching on that one. Yeah, you know? he also carried a rope, which I mean, I don't know why he didn't really was was never adequately explained. Yeah, do, I just do assume repo that, men have ropes. I guess maybe they would. Maybe it helps him, you know, get the car onto his truck or something. Yeah, they, that's how he tethers trailer? them together. Yeah. So he would sneak around like a kid trying to steal cookies, and he looked like a Hanna Barbera villain. And I just love the shit out of him. I don't know why. <laughs> no, I agree. I liked Repo Man, and I love the fact that he had his own Hasbro figure. Oh yeah, where he's basically <laughs> doing like a badly doing like a YMCA dance. <laughs> He's like trying to make a letter, but it looks more like a teapot. <laughs> but you know, one thing that I used to think was like so amazing is when he was popular. I mean, I shouldn't say popular because I don't think he really was. But like, well, at this the house time, he was <laughs> when when he was a wrestler. I used to say to my friends, "I'm like, you know, he's really because I was always like." a 60 year old man in like a 14 year old's body. Right. So I, I used to tell my friends, like, you know, he's just doing Frank Gorshin from Batman 1966. 
And like my friends didn't know what the frig I was talking about. Yeah, at the like, time, I, I I don't think I made that connection. And but you're right, it kind of was. Well, this this is what gets me is that now I mean I haven't looked up Repo Man in years, and I go back and look, and everything on there is like, oh, he was doing the Riddler from Batman. I'm like, are you serious? Oh man, you should you should go on YouTube and say, hey, I planted that seed back in '88. <laughs> well, it wasn't '88 because he wasn't Repo Man. Yeah, just like, don't ruin the joke. <laughs> Listen, Repo Man. Repo, I mean, I guess my affection for Repo Man mostly had to do with that song. It's like, yeah. here's this like three second riff. Let's repeat it 500 times in a row. Let's occasionally put the words Repo Man over it and we're done. But, <laughs> but it worked. Know, this, this is what's great about the WWE theme songs is that they would always name them these like stupid names because yeah. this is called Repossessor Blues. It's not even a blues song. It, like, Wait a minute. Nothing... It's called Repossessor Blues? It is. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my God! You but know, like, I just went from my number three slot to my number one. But like, it's not sad. Usually, like the blues are kind of sad, you know, because well, that's I mean, why they're called not, the blues. I, I don't know that I call it happy. <laughs> I get happy when repo. Repo, man. maybe. Be happy <laughs> hearing that. Well, the repo man was uh, quite a character. Yep. Good old Darry Barso. <laughs> Darry Barso. Darry Barso. <laughs> Oh, man. What a gimmick to have. Yeah. There's one thing that needs to be said. I used to watch Repo Man, and there was an element to what he was doing that was very artsy. I'm not exaggerating here. No, I'm totally with you. And I, I, that's yeah. what attracted me to this character is that even during his matches, he would be kind of like sneaking around. He fleshed out this character. And especially, like like I said, coming out of Demolition, you'd think he'd be a little disappointed to lose this a mega role and such a good spot on the card. And yeah. then they tell him you're going to be this, this fucking rando repo man <laughs> who can't possibly succeed that you know is a fucking loser. But you but go you, out there and you sell the shit out of it anyway. That's what wrestlers do. You kind of felt, yeah, but you kind of felt bad that he was like, in a way, like kind of like the cooler guy in Demolition, you oh, know. Because yeah, well, would... well, the other, guy, you know, in <laughs> retrospect, I look at the other guy. I'm like, wow, how, my grandfather was a wrestler. <laughs> yeah, like my two packs a day, Grandpa. No, it was your great uncle who who he loved like Colt forty five. Yeah, you know? it, it's so funny because he's like, yeah, you see these guys now, and you're like, wow, I was so afraid of them in the eighties, and now they just kind of <laughs> look a little bit silly. He was like the cooler Demolition guy, and then he go, <laughs> he becomes Repo Man. <laughs> yeah. What a trajectory. Repo Man. We should have just did the whole show on Repo. Well, the night's still young. We the could uh, recalibrate. <laughs> Can you believe it? He's a day late on his car payments. A day late. So you know what that means? That means that that car is mine. <laughs> Number six. Said I love her forevermore But the trouble is I tell the same old story To every girl that walks through the door This is the sex dog talking at your money <laughs> Well first they love me and then they don't Sometimes they do it and sometimes they won't So I said to this girl, hey you Alright Matt, that song was from an actual doctor 
the doctor of style slick oh yes <laughs> the slickster from wwe with jive soul bro oh so fucking good <laughs> when you're a kid and you're looking at all these managers in the 80s we grew up in such a time where managers really meant something and there's been times since then where wwe has tried to sort of resurrect the art of the manager and not necessarily super successful once in a while you get a good manager but slick is one of the greatest managers he's right up there with guys like albano and classy freddie blassie you know and stuff uh, yeah like i that. don't know if everyone gives him that level of credit but i sure do he would take these guys and no matter who it was you kind of were interested in their match because he had slick out there doing his thing he had such a swagger to him, but I mean, he managed guys like Nikolai Volkov, Rick Martel, uh, One Man Gang. I love how like a lot of these guys had to use Jive Soul Bro, even if it didn't fit them. Yes. <laughs> so I think even for like a while, you had Big Boss Man, who was like this 400 pound redneck cop, and yeah. he's coming out to Jive Soul Bro. <laughs> Well, that's what, I, that's what I love. Like when he managed Akeem and he started, Akeem started doing the slick movements, you know, like how slick used to like swagger to the ring, you yeah. know, <laughs> Akeem stole those moves, you know? Right. Well, I think in Akeem's point of view, uh, he perfected them. Yeah. <laughs> but you got to remember, Akeem was just one man gang before that. I know. Was... I loved him in both yeah. roles. Like, oh you know, God. Basically, I... I loved all the monsters. And I guess that's why I yeah. love Slick is because his most famous work was with all these really, really huge guys. Totally. Yeah, I love those huge guys. But so anyway, the song was uh, written by David Wolf, who was the manager and boyfriend of Cyndi Lauper at the time. The guy who was instrumental in the rock and wrestling connection and how that all came to be. Ooh, so somebody this... was Googling before the podcast. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Google's my best friend. Uh -huh. <laughs> so at the time, the rock and wrestling connection was huge. All the wrestlers started getting their own theme songs, but not only that, they started getting their own videos. And they actually made a music video for this song because it wound up on the Pile Driver album. That's right. Was, it was a huge album back then. And I used to listen to the shit out of this. And the music video they used to play on, like, WWE superstars, you know, and so the right. video's, like, slick walking around town with three ladies behind him, and then it, it cuts to him singing in the studio with this baby blue suit on. Right, and for, like, people who haven't picked up on it yet, this song is sung by Slick. Yeah, oh, yeah, the Slickster sings the song yeah. or, or sort of raps it, you know? Well, yeah, I but, mean, it's almost like a, a sleazy version of Grandmaster Flash. It, like, well, it almost feels like they were aping that, even. Yeah, definitely. And he, he's got this real cool vibe and the song is completely badass. And there's a whole thing in the song that made me actually look this up specifically, though, because he's actually in real life. He's real tall. He's like six, four, six, five. Yeah. And they used to have to bill him in all the WWF bios as five eleven, because oh. the reason why is because he was so damn tall that when he stood by the wrestlers, some of them would look smaller than him. Yeah, he was a tall dude. Now that I think about so, it. Back then, they always wanted the managers to be smaller than the wrestlers, right. so they looked more menacing and everything, right? Yeah, there were a lot of, like, phone books backstage for those interview segments. <laughs> exactly. So in the song, there was a line where he says, I was messing with a lady that was seven feet tall. <laughs> and then in the music video, they showed him talking to a lady who was really tall. Yeah. But then I realized if he was 6'4", this lady was, like, 13 feet tall. Really? Hold on a second. Dive Soul Bro video. Yes! Now that, now that you're telling me there's a really tall woman, I gotta, I gotta see it. No, because if Slick was six five, she was like ten or eleven feet tall. I'm not 
even exaggerating. Oh wow! I've all right. So I got it here. And <laughs> if if this scale is accurate, if uh, if things are on the up and up, that woman uh-huh. is twelve feet tall. <laughs> she's twelve feet. She's like the tall man in It Follows. Yeah, I mean, I have I have never in my life seen someone so tall. Oh my god! But you know, Slick is not uh, intimidated. Then he says in the song, which I like, I love. This line won me over because I love overstating obvious things. Yeah. And the next line is, "Now that was a big woman." <laughs> <laughs> oh, Slick. <laughs> Okay, so here's my one present day theme song pick. Ooh. Yeah. So down in uh, NXT, which for those who don't know is more or less the WWE's minor league, there's the stable called Sanity. And there's basically, Sanity. yeah, I, I love Sanity. Basically, just a bunch of like psychopath wrestlers <laughs> who dress like uh, a cross between Bane and the Lord Commander of the Night's Watch. And then mix that with like the guys that were in the helicopter and predator in the beginning yeah that too it's such an indie gimmick but i love it and i totally love that theme song yeah it's amazing yeah it's called controlled chaos Mm -hmm. and it sounds like what you might score a godzilla movie with if godzilla was drunk and shopped at hot topic Every time I hear it, I want to go like break a neon light and sew a Catwoman costume. <laughs> I'm glad you brought this up because I love this song too. And we were at NXT not too long yep. ago. And when Sanity came out, just like, oh, it's so good. Because it's intentionally bad. Its beat doesn't stay the same. It, like It just yeah. kind of like falls apart in different places, but it's all obviously intentional. It's just like a bunch of instruments playing whenever they want. It doesn't even make sense as a song. You know, it's like a bunch of noise, but it becomes like this masterpiece. Yeah, but it totally suits the wrestlers, so... Because it's, like, off-kilter, like they are. Right, exactly. Yeah. So if anyone isn't watching NXT and they don't know Sanity, just keep your eye out for this Nikki Cross. Who yeah. Is my, I love her. She's part of Sanity, and I am so convinced that she's going to be a big deal. She'll be a big deal if she doesn't pull all her hair out in the next two months. Yeah, she. that's the thing. She she's comes out like a rabbit dog. Yeah. She jumps around like a three-year-old, and like you said, she's like pulling her hair out and stuff. You know, as I get older and I start losing my hair, I'm like, don't pull your hair out. You gotta keep that. <laughs> you're, you're gonna need that someday. You're gonna need that. Yeah, you're gonna wish you didn't pull it all out. That's your meal ticket, honey. <laughs> but yeah, I, I like Sanity. I think they're insane. Correct me if I'm wrong, but whenever I have mentioned Sanity like on Twitter or something, 
it doesn't seem like a lot of people are so into it. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know what the fuck. I mean, what, if I was 15 right now, I would be obsessed with them. You know what, though? I, I liken it to, and I think I said this when we were at NXT. I said uh, Skinner should manage uh, Sanity because it was Skinner, like this, the, the, the spitting Bayou wrestler. Yeah, like he used to fight alligators and stuff. I don't know. I just feel like you don't, maybe they don't define who they are enough. Maybe they need to do that. A you know, if they're just these crazy people, maybe they could put another element to it. Like maybe they run a cult and then they could feud them with the Wyatts or something like well, that. I mean, I know? think it, it feels like a very much like a NXT only gimmick. I don't know if yeah. they translate well on the big stage, but at the same time, it's I love these people and I hope they get a chance. Yeah, I agree. And you know what? There's something about the NXT theme songs that are almost inherently better than the WWE. Well, theme I mean, songs. They're, they're on fucking fire with these theme yeah, songs. We went to, like you said, we went to that live event, and oh, I'll be honest with you, I'm not like a real crazy NXT watcher. Yeah. So in some cases, this is my first time seeing a lot of these wrestlers ever, or even hearing about them. But well, like, like the songs were up and down oh, the God. fucking card, amazing. I think some of the entrances in the songs were better than some of the matches. No, you know? <laughs> but I think that's true on any wrestling yeah. card from any federation. Yeah, because you know you'll sit there for twenty five minutes and watch the Undertaker come out and just be <laughs> and in awe. Just stand yeah. there, and like, yeah, okay. yeah. And it's just, like, oh can my you god, maybe walk out again. Yes, <laughs> do it again, do it well, again. That's why we love the Royal Rumble. Like the match often does suck, but you get to see thirty fucking entrances. Sanity, great choice. Number eight. there was a jim johnston classic matt that was the theme song to the body donnas do you remember the body donnas yeah and you know when you told me you were going to include them i was like oh that's just jay being a jay yeah but i listened to it again you're right this one deserves to be here it was very good for the time and i don't think it was appreciated enough so that's why i added it in here but jersey's own Chris Candido yep. as Skip. He's like a fitness guru. And he brought along his girl, Sonny, uh, as their valet. Right. And Tom Pritchard was the tag team partner for the most part. But then you had Louis Spicoli was in there as well, here and there. But anyway, they were, like I said, fitness gurus. And they would come out and kind of demean the audience and be very sarcastic and talk down to them and say that everyone's fat. Yeah. And, and then they would like work out, right? Yeah, they would start working out and, you know, uh, Skip would do his push-ups and Sonny would be on the mic, like, saying how great Skip is. And yeah, it really, it really wasn't landing so hard, I have to say. It wasn't landing, but it, it, it actually, when you go back and watch them, it was the same type of thing as Repo Man. Like, they did the hell out of it. Well, like, I, mean, they, I mean, they both parlayed it into long career, so yeah. they did something right. But I'll tell you, if you go back and watch those vignettes of the Body Donnas, you know how Bray Wyatt gets a lot of good feedback because he's great on the mic. He does these insane promos yeah. and stuff. Back then, 
this was one of the better vignettes that you would get because they believed in their characters so much. And I think their real-life relationship made their banter so good. Hey, 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 you're looking pretty good today. I know. You're not so bad yourself. You know, I'm talking to you out there. You know the family in two takes up a whole 10-person sectional? I'm here today to show you what a body's supposed to look like. Those the tricep area. No flabby skin. Notice the chins. There is only one. This is what a body is supposed to look like. This is perfection. They gave it their all, and they just acted like the cocky SOBs that they were told to be. Yeah. And it just, it actually worked. I, I actually thought they were entertaining, and it kickstarted Sonny's whole WWF career. Right, which, which I mean, like, let's be honest, like, she her career kind of outshone her, uh, yeah. her husband's. When she was popular, she was the biggest star in WWE, more than the wrestlers. Oh, yeah, People she was, for, for a minute there, she was like, yeah crazy crazy popular they used to say she was the most downloaded superstar on oh, like, they didn't say. i think that's actually true like it, in the early yeah. days of the internet she was the one that you would wait three minutes for the fucking picture to download three minutes i used to go down and eat dinner and to come back in the picture <laughs> would have, like it would be yeah. up to sunny's eyebrows yeah i mean hell i was waiting for the top of the, her bikini didn't even show yeah. up until I, 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 I remember back in those days you used to complain that the pictures didn't download from the bottom up yeah. <laughs> Sometimes, like I said, originally, like fans don't know what they have until it's gone. Because when you look back at some of these things, it's the context, it's the time frame you're in. You don't know how good things are sometimes until you look at them in retrospect. So the Body Donna's theme song, to me, was a cross between Prince's 1999 and every viewer's choice countdown screen there ever was. <laughs> uh, and, and it makes a little bit of that song, So Many Men, So Little Time. Yeah. And then you have the Body Donna's theme song. It would be perfect to play over a montage of the Autobots helping to clean up after a building collapse. <laughs> Autobots, transform and roll out. Number nine. <laughs> Everybody's got a price. Everybody's gonna pay. Cause the million dollar man. So I know we said we'd be sticking with the kind of themes that needed a little bit of lifting up, maybe the more overlooked ones. Mm -hmm. But I just wanted to throw this one in anyway. It's a real big one that everyone loves. Yeah. The theme for the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase. Let's do it a cappella. Everybody's gonna pay. Everybody's got a price. Cause the dollar man. Everybody's gonna pay. Look. Cause the million dollar man. And you will be bought. Well, you kind of mixed the verses and threw in a little Ric Flair, but we'll let it stay. Yeah. I think you can make a good argument that that cracks the top 10 for all time best wrestling themes from any fucking viewpoint. Yeah, you actually told me that you were going to bring this up, and I, 
deep down, I was almost offended because I'm like, this is one of the best theme songs. I know, I know, but it's like, look, look, I've done Repo Man, I've done the Sanity song. If you notice, all of my songs sound the same. One thing that I do notice, though, that you like it's these like sick, twisted, sadistic theme songs. Well, <laughs> I, it, I need something but, to bring with me downstairs, you know. <laughs> there's so there's always somebody laughing maniacally involved. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the key to my heart. If you throw in a little ambient, crazy laughter in the back of your song, I don't care what the fuck else you do. There's a maniacal laugh in Sanity. There's a maniacal laugh in this. Dollar Man, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. You're right. I'm I'm actually kind of like self-analyzing now. Yeah. <laughs> but this song, it's catchy. It fits the character perfectly. And like yeah. you said, you get to hear DiBiase doing his crazy laughter over and over again. And he sounds like the fucking Nightmare Clowns from Pee-wee's Big Adventure. <laughs> and it's like a spoken word theme song that he does on his yeah, own. Yeah, it's like, you know, hey, Ted, can you actually maybe pretend like you're singing? Okay, I got it, guys. I'll give me one more try. Everybody's got a price. <laughs> everybody's gotta pay <laughs> so for those who don't follow wrestling you had ted dibiase who was cast as this multi-millionaire who could try to like buy his way to the world title instead of winning it yeah so you had to like kind of suspend your disbelief to accept that someone with that much money would actually give a shit about wrestling titles but mm -hmm. it worked like he was one of the all-time greatest characters in wrestling we lived in a time where there was a lot of affluent people guys like donald trump and stuff like that where a well, guy who was a crazy millionaire was a heel. You've brought this up on other shows, the whole dynasty thing and all that shit. Dallas, yeah. there was yeah, definitely yeah. this obsession, not so much with the actuality of wealth, but the appearance of it. <laughs> so a person like DiBiase was such a perfect character for his time. Yes. And it was so easy to hate him, but he was also 60% hateable and 40% likable. Well, so he was likable because he was one of those rare really extreme wrestling characters who could actually wrestle and i think even as a kid you kind of like had this subconscious understanding that he was actually good he had a lot of charisma as yeah, well Yeah, but he was good in the ring and you know i love repo man and i would never say anything disparaging about Darry barso <laughs> but let's face it he wasn't giving you five star matches yeah i mean you're absolutely right this guy he had the glitz and the glamour and he had the limos and the mansions and he was just he, he had it all right and plus he got big at the perfect time because it was right when they had wrestlemania back to back at trump plaza my god you're so right. yeah so it was like the perfect timing for this kind of like rich mogul type to be a big star at the center of attention right yeah and you know what's even better about this theme song is the fact that it not only served as his theme song for, you know, his major time in the WWF when it was when he was a like a huge draw at right. the time, but also the fact that he used it when he was, you know, in Money Incorporated oh, with God. IRS. Yeah, yeah. IRS now, is like, you know what, we better use your music because <laughs> sorry, sorry, dude, I don't have any. Yeah, like, well, the IRS theme song was like an adding machine. Oh, and God, it that's was, right. It was so awful. The sheer thought that somebody in WWE was like, I got it for his theme song. I got it. Let's just record an adding machine. Yeah, man, that guy <laughs> had the best job, IRS. He had to wrestle like these like matches where you, there was no contact whatsoever. Yeah. He came, come out and give a spiel about paying your taxes. And he got away with it for like 10 years. I know, but, like, how perfect is it to marry him up with Million Dollar Man? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, they, they got a lot of juice out of that tag team. It was, it, for two guys who had fallen down the ladder a bit, it was yeah. a good way to, like, keep them stable. I was a fan of Money, Inc. But, the, I mean, this theme song, to me, it has prestige. And it's one of those things, every time you hear it, it still holds up. Totally does. Ted DiBiase, Hall of Fame. He's also got really ginormous hands. Is that true? Yeah, I've seen like I think one of my friends has gotten like pictures with him in an autograph thing, and he's like, uh, he's a big man. Speaking of pictures with the million dollar man, oh, let no. me slip this story in right now. I was at the uh, WrestleMania 11 press conference oh, in 1995, <laughs> uh, and guess who I happened to be at the urinal next to? Oh, the million man. dollar man. Yep. Oh boy. And I looked over. I had my uh, blue and white pinstripe hat on that I bought on the WWE shop on the magazine. And I looked over. I'm like, oh my god, I'm peeing next to the million dollar man. This yeah, is that's pretty crazy. wild. So of course, after we were both done, I didn't even let him wash his hands. I was like, hey Ted, can you t- can you take a picture with me? <laughs> <laughs> and I still have it. I didn't even, like, give him two seconds. To, How like, old do... were you around this point? Like, 16? I was 15, maybe. So was he, like, nice about it, or was he, like, Oh, my God, shit? super nice, super nice. And he was a heel at the time. Yeah. But, yeah, <laughs> that's my million-dollar man interaction. Well, that's a picture you'll have to put on Instagram prior to the oh, show going live. Yeah, I'll blur out my face. <laughs> I want to see that my... pinstripe hat. I'll be, yeah, I'll leave the hat, but I'll make my face look like I was in the grudge. Yeah. <laughs> Number ten. You can look, but you can't touch. You keep dreaming on the stars above. So this one is self-explanatory, Matt. The Bella Twins. <laughs> <laughs> and to me, the the lyrics here are tremendous. I mean, okay, we're uh, maybe. Well, let me hear your explanation for that. Okay, well, let me just take one example of the lyrics. There's no mystery. What's on your mind, right? So obviously, you know what's on my mind. Nikki and Bree and me make three. No. But, <laughs> but back when the Bella Twins were together. I heard this song hit and I'd get shivers up and down my spine because I knew what was coming. It was the mesmerizing Bella Booty Shake. Oh, yes. To me, that is the main event, the mid card and the pre-show all rolled into one. There's nothing like twin magic. Well, I mean, I've been to a live event with you when this has happened. Yeah. And you like would look over at me and you'd look like a cartoon wolf with a big salivating tongue. And you'd be going on about how Nikki in particular was like the perfect woman. (laughs) And I'm just like, I can't hear you, Jay. But if you're getting popcorn, get me some, too. (laughs) That was the one in Atlantic City, right? Yeah, it was. But I'm not kidding. Like you turned into a 10 year old boy. It brings me to this, because when they call their gimmick Twin Magic, when one of them goes under the ring and the other one comes back out and they 
So that used to bring me back to the days of being completely in awe of the killer bees con job. Oh, that they, that's right. If only and, the, the bees came out to the Bella Twins theme. Yeah. Can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that used to be like the most hilarious thing. Uh, B. Brian Blair and Jumping Jim Brunzel, who had physiques that were similar in a rudimentary sort of way. Yet if they put a mask, nobody could tell them apart. <laughs> But at least they put masks on. Like, the Bella Twins are twins, so they didn't need masks. Yeah. Well, twin magic. I chose this because it really leaves me completely speechless for a change. And all I can say is, thank you, Jim Johnston. I love you, Bellas. Bella Booty Shake. And I'm doing it right now. No, you're not doing it right now. I'm doing it right now. We're not. <laughs> Yes. Well, the fact that you are kind of dovetails into my next point, because I've been in the car with you when that song came on your iPod. And I don't know if you've noticed that I don't only roll up my window, I roll up yours. So <laughs> as with your choice of music in the car and your Bella Booty Shake right now, I envy your lack of shame and want to know your secrets. <laughs> I'm never going to play it again at a red light. Oh, my God. You and this fucking song. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, it used to be used for both of them, and then they kind of like went their own ways for a while, and it became just sort of Nikki's theme. Well, yeah, Nikki's theme, and then Brie got Brie Well, that's what I'm going to say. It's like I could actually see through a certain lens the Nikki theme being kind of great. The Brie theme is like the worst thing ever. <laughs> so it's like you think, I'm sure the backstage, she's like, what the fuck? How come you get this song and I get this song? Because <laughs> she's got to have her Brie mode gimmick. Well, the so. opening of Brie's song, I know they're saying Brie mode, but it sounds like you're letting the air out of a balloon. <laughs> it does sound Brie like that. <laughs> But I mean, you know, Nikki got the better end of the stick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, don't even pretend like you don't have something that you're going to say to follow that up with. I'm not, I'm not. Next, next song. All right, next song. Here we go. <laughs> Number 11. original WWF theme from 1992 back when he was still Doink the Evil Clown. Scary. Yeah, which I think we can both agree was the best version of Doink. Best version, very creative. We never really saw anything like that. Yeah, he was portrayed by Matt Osborne. Mm -hmm. And I know some fans like to point to Doink as an example of the WWF getting too cartoony. But mm -hmm. for me, it's like you'd have to work really hard to convince me that a psycho evil clown that wrestled wasn't a good idea. You know something? You bring up such a good point. Evil Doink, at the time, was like nothing you've ever seen before. I was crazy about The Undertaker at that point, but for a brief moment of time, Doink was my favorite wrestler. If you take the movie It and make him a wrestler, he was Evil Doink. I guess that's what they were going for, was like a shitty version of Pennywise yeah. making spooky, angry faces while kids tried to get him to sign their foreheads. It was, <laughs> like, it was such a great example. It was like wrestling personified. But that's another thing, though, is he did it so well 
that he was creepy. Right. Well, that's the thing because um, Doink eventually went good and they had other wrestlers portray him because they think they let go Matt Osborne. Mm-hmm. And, and I guess they thought it'd be easy enough to just slide someone else under that face paint and put him in the clown suit. It didn't work as well. Like, right. Osborne he... brought something really unique and disturbing to that character. Yeah, it was definitely inspired. Absolutely. And much like Doink himself, that theme, it lulled you into this false sense of security with that happy-go-lucky circus music. Right. And then wham, it was like something out of like a late 90s remake of The Exorcist. Yeah, or like a dramatization on a late-night TV, uh, like Current Affair or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Totally. You know, I'm sensing that theme continuing here because, you know, you think I'm predictable, like anything with uh, pretty girls on it. But like, what about you? First, you know, we got killer clowns from outer space dressing up as the Joker and then evil doink. Of course, it's got Um, clown laughter. uh, And don't think that he was not one of those guys that I absolutely just wanted to be. I didn't just like doink. I wanted to be doink. Mm. And uh, but here's the question, Matt. Did you want to be dink? Because I did not just I did not want to be Dink. I have a question for you. Mm -hmm. Did did Dink know the other Dinks from Spaceballs? What do you Dink? No. (laughs) (laughs) Totally different Dinking. Yeah. (laughs) No, Dink represents the worst error for Doink, and if we haven't lost the crowd yet, we will in this particular section. But yeah, I think once they made Doink only do pranks to bad guys and gave him a little version of himself to pal around with i was kind of tuning out yeah like that's like i could see complaining about that doink but the original doink that fucking killer clown (laughs) oh good so good so good i used to get the cassettes from the fan club right wwf fan club and that's where i used to get the theme songs for when we did backyard wrestling (laughs) and (laughs) so I had the Doink the Clown theme song on this cassette. Wait, you mean the good guy version? Yeah, the good when guy version. it's like ver- literally just two minutes of circus music. Yeah, so it's the beginning of the evil Doink theme just over and over again. The whole like I used to put the tapes on in my room and I would practice all the entrances and what they did. So when Doink came on, I would do the whole Doink thing. So I'd be like down on the floor and kicking my legs up in the air. So then my sister walks in one day, but I'm, I'm right in the middle of like kicking my legs up in the air on the floor and Doink's music is playing. And she's like, what the fuck are you doing? Oh my God. Were you going to be Doink in your backyard league? No, I just used to like, anytime I heard a theme song, I would like. You would just blog- go into autopilot and have to act it out. Yes, I would just launch into the, like, if I heard Razor Ramon, then I'm, like, doing the whole bad guy thing in the middle of the ring and tossing my toothpick. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's too bad, because I think they did develop medication for that, but it didn't become popular into the 2000s. <laughs> I might need some of that uh, still. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only laughing on the outside. My smile is only skin deep. If you could see inside of cry, you might join me for a week. <laughs> Number 12.
Now that was some badass hard rock. I'll tell you something. <laughs> <laughs> that was Kona Crush, man. Oh, brah. <laughs> Shaka brah. Bra. It sounds like like I'm pumping iron while listening to metal music. Well, it sounds like uh, early 90s punk, like, uh, you know, from the Nirvana Pearl Jam mold, but a little harder. Yeah. Not exactly like that, but it kind of has that vibe. No, it definitely has that kind of vibe because they were getting a little edgy with the music. And But I'll tell you something about Crush. You know, he was involved in some badass work in WWF. And at the time, he was playing this kind of happy-go-lucky Hawaiian guy who was like a surfer, but he was cracking heads like coconuts yeah i mean can i be honest though like i eventually got into crush when he went bad but at this particular point i think the song was all he had going for me to me he looked like one of those made-up superheroes you'd see in like a local tv commercial sponsored by your library (laughs) (laughs) don't forget to read kids no totally and And like that pastel fucking outfit yeah he he looked like all the worst flavor of popsicles (laughs) so mounty Repo Man, Skinner, Sid Justice. Who's going to make me mind my manners now? He's kind of like ripe to be made fun of on Southpaw Wrestling. Yeah, totally. Totally is. (laughs) You got to give credit where credit is due. Now, Crush had so many different gimmicks, but he first came to the WWE and he was in Demolition. Yeah, he was the third man. Yeah. When Axe Crush, got a little uh, sick or old or something. Crush sort of brings everything together because he was in Demolition with Darry Barso. With Darry Barso. And he was pretty badass in Demolition, let me say. But then he comes out of it, disappears for a while, comes back as a super baby face, right? Right. And he was popular, I'll give it. I'm like, I, I might not have been into him, but he was this close to being the second coming of Hogan for a brief second there. Agreed, and that's what they wanted him to be, 100%. But like I said, this brings it all together because Babyface Crush feuded with Evil Doink. In a, in a, in <laughs> he, like a, you know, not to, not, pun intended here, but he got clowned by Evil Doink. His face run yeah. was over because of Evil Doink. Mm-hmm. WrestleMania 9, it was it? Yes, wrestle, but I mean, this is like the biggest babyface crush ever got because he fought at WrestleMania yeah. against Evil Doink. I love that whole thing. So do I, but it, it's Doink's moment, not Crush's. Yes, Basically, Doink brings out a second Doink. <laughs> but they use like the prosthetic blade. Yeah, and they start beating on Crush with a prosthetic arm. Takes him down. The cloud of- Wait a minute. They checked it. I'm slapping myself in the face. You know what this is? This is an illusion. No, it's another two of them. Double doink. Double two doinks. He comes out of that whole babyface thing. Then he comes back as a heel with Mr. Fuji. Which was and awesome. And he feuds in one of the biggest things ever. Him and Savage yep. had this intense feud. Winds up joining the Nation of Domination, the Disciples of Apocalypse. Yep. He, he did the first couple of appearances of the Kiss Demon. Then he's in Chronic. I mean, he had longevity. And now he's a golfer. <laughs> a golfer in heaven. Yeah, gol- he's heaven's golfer. Yeah. I guess that's a fair point. He's one of those guys who never really hit like the tippy top. Yeah. But he stayed consistently over in various roles for a very long time. Yeah. Absolutely. And to wrap this section up, I'm going to see your Jake the Snake evil theme and raise you a third demolition theme. 
This was not planned. I'm doing this to you on the spot. The third demolition theme may be more scary and more I don't creepy even fucking remember than the Jake the Sick. Look that shit up. All right, hold on. I'm looking it up right now. Okay. Very uh, monster movie trailer. It is, right? It's right up our alleys. Yeah, this is pretty good. I don't know if it's uh, as good as Heel Jake, but it's good. Oh, come on. Dude, it sounds like Freddy's Nightmares. It does. Like, it, it's cut from this. Yeah. Yeah, all right, you're right. It's, it's fucking awesome. I mean, <laughs> it's fucking awesome. It's the, it's the best shit I've ever fucking heard. <laughs> now keep quiet so I can listen to the rest of it. Hey, well, it's time to wrap things up, Matt, and do what we do at the end of our show. Okay, now there are two approaches to this. I could either pick the one that I think is the best, or Ooh. I could pick the one that I want to hear again. Ooh. So it's a tough call here. And technically, the third demolition theme is off the table. Yeah, no no third demolition theme. <laughs> yeah. So we got Coliseum Video theme, Bull Nakano, the Slickster. So here's, here's, here's where I'm landing. Okay. My body Donna's Bellas. Yeah, it's not going to be the Bellas, and I'll, I'll pass on the body Donna's, and I won't pick Coliseum just because I want to stick with entrance themes. Okay. My head says slick. Okay. My, I got to go with my heart. All right. Bull Nakano. I think you're picking Bull so you don't hear me rap the slickster. I think, honestly, I really just love that Bull Nakano theme. It's so good. Yeah. Why is Bull Nakano not in the WWE Hall of Fame? She's a Hall of Fame-worthy wrestler, and hopefully we'll both be alive when she finally gets in. Which is highly unlikely, because yeah. we only have a couple <laughs> years left. <laughs> well, I mean, after the four-day fucking bender at WrestleMania. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm just, like, thinking about those 2 a.m. Domino's calls already. I'm just like, oh, my God, please. I'm trying to get in touch mentally with future me to stop him from telling you to pick up the phone. Let's call Leslie Nielsen to tell us not to order the Domino's. <laughs> Frank. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay, how about you? Okay, let me get to yours. So we got some really good picks from Matt Sanity, Repo Man, Evil Doink, uh, the Heel Jake the Snake theme song, and the Million Dollar Man. Wow, you have a lot of good picks. They're all maniacal and sick and twisted, mm -hmm. and that's the kind of stuff that appeals to you. But I'm going to go with. Million dollar. Yeah, man. I mean, I guess I really didn't leave you any choice. <laughs> yeah, I'm a big fan of that song. I would even include it, like, if I had a top 20 theme songs, it probably would be in my actual favorite ones. Because, like we said, this is not our favorite wwe theme songs yeah we're just trying to you know pick some random ones to talk about but the million right. dollar man's theme is definitely among the greatest ever yeah absolutely one of the best and when you hear it it has a lot of history tied to it it's almost like when you know when you hear Shawn michaels theme you know it, it means something you yeah. know you hear somebody's theme who's been around forever it's like oh man that's so cool that he's back so you hear like hacksaw jim duggan you're like oh it's hacksaw this is great 
I mean, that's not the same, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes they just like to let you talk and see where you're going and see if we end up on Hacksaw. Thanks for not letting me down. Oh! oh. <laughs> so, so uh, based on that, our main event match of the evening is Bull McConnell versus the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase. Or maybe Million Dollar Man could manage Bull McConnell. Oh, yeah. Bull Nakano in the Million Dollar Corporation with King Kong Bundy. That would have been actually no, like no joke. That would have been amazing. Would have been. <sighs> Can we just write like a fantasy league? Because uh, uh. no, but I t- like think about it. You wanted to make the women's division mean something in the early '90s. You had the Million Dollar Man running this this stable. Give yeah. him bull and let him go to town. Oh, oh man, what, what might have been? Well. This has been the Purple Stuff Podcast. Episode 40. God, 40 episodes. Yep, yep. It, in seven and a half years. It feels like it, doesn't it? <laughs> well, it's been fun. Looking forward to WrestleMania. Thanks for listening to the show, everybody. I am Jay from the Sexy Armpit. And I'm Matt from Dinosaur Dracula. We'll see you next time. Listening to the Purple Purple Stuff Podcast.